Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to The Best in Tech on the Tech Central Podcast Network. And with me today, I'm very excited to have somebody who's kind of changed my life about the way I think about money. And not because she's a financial advisor. I'm definitely not a financial. (laughs) Look at my face. Would anyone give this face a license? (laughs) (laughs) But it is because you've just figured out the awesome way of explaining, demystifying, looking at money. I'm, of course, talking about Sam Big Bessinger. How's it? How are you doing? Welcome on the Best in Tech. Oh, thanks so much. That's very kind. <laughs> <laughs> You've just launched your book, uh, Manage Your Money Like a F***ing Grown-Up. And I know Duncan's going to hate me for that because <laughs> he doesn't like, I'm going to have word. to beep it out. <laughs> but uh, we'll, get a, we'll start chatting about the book right after this. Welcome back. How's it, Sam? You launched your book. How's it been going? Uh, very good. Um, I think that South Africans have really wanted this book, which is kind of why I wrote it, right? Um, I've spent a lot of the last sort of five, ten years interviewing people about money management, um, specifically young people. Mm. Um, and the thing that everyone sort of said to me is, it's ridiculous that there is no class in school about this thing, you know? It and is crazy. In life, there is no class. Where do we learn about this? I think the problem is we end up learning mostly from advertising, which is a terrible place Bad to learn practices. anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I've been I've been really just thrilled. Like I've put it out in the world, and the response has been really great, um, specifically amongst young people, and that's kind of who I really care about. So your your expertise in money didn't come just overnight, or, or reading a few <laughs> books. I mean, you've been you've been venturing down this path for a long time, starting with freelance journalism, obviously, where all the good people come from. Obviously, <laughs> what brought you to the finance side of things, the fintech? Well, I think the the firstly, the very uh, sad thing is that when I was in my early 20s, I was truly abysmally bad with money. And that that's kind of really what triggered all of this. Um, I entered my mid-20s deep, deep down a debt spiral that I thought that I was never going to be able to claw my way out of. Um, and I found myself really in that trapped position where I was making all of my decisions based on... Oh, am I allowed to say bad words? I mean, yeah, you already said it. the just bad word. Yeah, Sorry. we said the prison <laughs> You know, um, oh no, I like um, everything, every decision that I'm going to have to make for the rest of my life is going to have to be about how do I get enough money to get myself out of this terrible spiral. Mm. And I realized that actually the irony here was that by not understanding the system, this was trapping me more and having to, you know, make money more important in my and life than scary, I wanted it to be. It's scary, man. It's scary. So scary. So I went on a mission, basically. And, you know, kind of ca- coming as a background as a writer, I go out into the world and I learn things. Mm. And then I like to explain those things to other people. That's what I love doing. So I've really spent nearly 10 years now, actually, very slowly building up a knowledge about finances. I've worked for banks. I've worked for investment companies. I've worked for all the bad guys. Um, and <laughs> you, you saw what the beast was like on the inside. Exactly. Nice, and the, nice. the really interesting thing that I discovered um, is that money is not actually as complicated as they would have you believe. It's not that it's not this weird mystical thing invented by quants and dark basements. Actually, the principles of investing money uh, making it grow, not that complicated. Um, and Damn, I wish somebody told me that when I was a kid, because right? honestly, it is daunting. I mean, you've you've basically raised all the points that I think many people in t- today's really consumer-driven society is mm. is has got problem with. If we're falling foul to these banks and these institutions who want to give us money, mm. give us credit, mm. and that's 
that's basically how most, or probably how most people get into problems. And then they have to start thinking about money. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is, what is the thing that you've seen among, you've done a lot of research when you did the book, a lot of interviews with a lot of people throughout Africa and over yep. the world. <laughs> what is the one thing, what is the one theme that you've seen running through with people who have money issues? I think people don't often, I guess two things. I definitely think that South Africans specifically, but people in the middle class throughout the world are not terrified enough of consumer debt. That's like short-term debt. We just are not nearly cognizant enough of how much debt costs us. Um, and that is universal, but particularly bad in South Africa, where we have 10 million people with impaired credit records. Like wow. you just can't actually do what is normal in our society because that's not healthy. You get trapped. And I've, I've heard really heartbreaking stories about people's lives being taken over by debt spirals, right? Really. Oh, I've been there. I mean, yeah. when you don't, when you, when you're in a face in a position and as a mm -hmm. freelancer, it happens because when projects don't happen and jobs don't come along. Yeah. You, you go through those spurts and at some points it can be daunting and it takes over your life. It's all consuming. Absolutely. And you lose focus of the things that you need to be focusing on. So that's the kind of the one side of it. But I think the other really more inspiring thing that, you know, I've learned and seen is that um, you, we also don't realize how much potential we have and how much we're actually likely to earn over our lifetimes. So uh, an anecdote or, or a, a little sum that I like, to, I like to throw out there and talk about a lot is if you imagine a 25-year-old who's earning 10,000 rand a month, Month, right it's not a huge amount of money pretty normal middle class mm, salary mm. for a 25 year old if that person only gets a seven percent inflation increase plus the odd promotion over their whole lifetime that person earns 19 million rand over their life that's before they start investing that's before they take advantage that's of common it's a lot of money right so yeah. actually i think we don't realize how many choices we really have like there's all these things that we think of of big one day maybe dreams of like and then we kind of think and just assume these are out of our grasp because, you know, we're just trying to get through the here and now. But the reality is that so many of us are just sort of spending money on things that, you know, we're just spending mindlessly. These things are not really our biggest, truest, most ambitious dreams. Um, and when you stop and think for a moment how much money is actually going to flow into your hands over mm. your lifetime, mm. all the things you could do with it if you were a bit more intentional, it's actually really inspiring. That's a very important lesson. And geeks people that are into tech and geeks like ourselves we often get tempted by too much technology i mean a cell phone a smartphone these days costs upwards of fifteen thousand rand yep sign yourself into a contract it might not feel like much mm. but 700 rand 800 rand 900 rand over a period of two years it's, it's a that, lot of money it's that debt thing again right so you kind of you look at the monthly price tag and you're like oh yeah i can totally afford 700 rand a month and you don't but if someone said would you buy this gadget for twenty thousand rand you'd say absolutely not but if you can't afford that then you can't afford it broken down but i think far worse than cell phones are cars really like yes. cars are a money bonfire um, and I, sure, we need cars, specifically living in Joburg, like people need cars to get around and do, do their business. But, but not certain type of car. I, you, know, I know. you don't need to spend 800,000 rand on an SUV that you never take off road. Oh, I know. It seems silly, actually. And look, I do think that there are some people out there who are like true petrol heads. And really the thing that makes them happy in their lives is having these amazing mm, machines. Mm. And those people should absolutely be spending all the money on cars. Look, and if you can afford it. I mean, all fairness to you, you know, you've got yeah. the money, you can do it. But if you're tempted into a paying off your car again, yeah. a lot of people spend eight, 9,000 rand on a car that they mm -hmm. can't afford. 
And then you throw in like balloon payments. So I think this is the thing with cars is actually, I think everyone needs to do the math for themselves. There's a calculator on my huge giant sprawling spreadsheet on my website. Which is fantastic. I (laughs) advise everybody to go. Please go look at it. Just do the calculation on exactly how much your car is going to cost you over the remaining lifetime of its loan. Just Mm, do mm. that sum and then be okay with it if you're okay with it, but at least do the math and know how much that car is actually going to cost you. I've paid off my car recently. I've seen those figures Mm. and that's why I haven't traded in (laughs) on a new car and I'm perfectly happy with it. Mm -hmm. And I've come to realize it's all you get, you know, things kind of priorities change as well. You're not chasing everybody else's uh, you're not chasing kind of uh, you don't want to be following the joneses anymore yeah you, know? you don't yeah. have to get the latest well, you are the joneses <laughs> <laughs> damn it yeah that is a problem although i think a lot of my friends who became tech joners also did it because it's the best way to get all the good gadgets yeah, without yeah, having to pay for them yeah, exactly <laughs> and that's why some of us you know it's, it's it's a good way of of getting hold of the stuff but still you know long-term technology you, you also have to ask a question tech being a uh, take uh, increasing uh, in in power mm. so often mm. um, we get new technology brought out every every year mm. do you really want to be investing that much money in something that's going to be obsolete in 12 totally. months I think it's really challenging notions of ownership in our mm. society right like I really think we are going to move to more of a rental based society around a number of things where you can access the really cool gadgets when you yeah. need them but do you really need to own all of these things and then pay the cost of the giant house with the mm. huge garage mm. that increasingly is a storage space exactly. for all of the things you've bought and i mean autonomous vehicles is that thing right we know yeah. what uber is doing around the world with their uh, self-driving cars teslas experimenting with these type of, type of mm. things it, we, we are moving then I think then people's perception will mm. shift then you'll have the pure petrol heads owning cars because yeah. they want to drive it for the pure thrill of driving it yeah. but for the rest of us I'd be happy not to but even then I mean like I think we're just in this weird change moment right where society hasn't quite changed over and so there's a lot of waste right now mm. but I think mm. you know all of us um, suffer from the hedonic treadmill anyway so mm. the more access we have to something actually the less joy it brings us anyway so the, the joy of not owning things means that everything that you interact with actually makes you happier weirdly enough you know there's that thing about how (laughs) if you do the you know when we're making decision about like should i spend my money on a kiff weekend to derbs or should i spend my money on a sensible uh curry craft couch right seems like the sensible thing to spend your money on is a curry craft couch because you use it every single day but it turns out that actually your brain blanks any pleasure from the curry craft couch after like two days anyway and over your lifetime science says this the thing that makes you happy is experiences um, it's the real memories. It's the stuff yeah. that you're going to remember when you are sitting on a couch on a rainy day reminiscing about the days you were spending outside. Totally. It's a crazy trap that we are caught in. Mm. What What is the one advice? I mean, people need to go read the book because there's incredible amounts of information there. But what what is the one thing you would recommend people to start with? I think the first Besides thing… Start buying the book, obviously. That's step <laughs> one. Book. Step two is… <laughs> Sign up for the Facebook group. No, no, no. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I think the first thing is that… Um, Changing your money behavior is like changing any kind of behavior. It's like deciding you're going to become healthy. It's like just trying to do more exercise or anything, quitting smoking. I quit smoking. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my goddamn life. (laughs) Changing your behavior is hard and it all comes down to the feels, honestly. It's seldom about knowing what to do. It's usually about getting to the point where you are emotionally ready to confront the thing, unfortunately. So the big piece of advice that I have for most people who, when you think you're maybe ready, but you're you're not quite there, 
but you want to get ready is to just start actually tracking your spending. Um, so I, for a long time, worked on an amazing local app called 227. It's completely free. Um, it's, you know, I'm biased. I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. But I, my first piece of advice to most people is go and download that app and don't try to change your financial behavior for the first couple of months. Just start tracking it and just make time with yourself every week to go and sit and look at your spending and start to understand it. Um, because, you know, we so often we kind of end up in this ostrich mode of like, even when you go and draw cash from the ATM, you like quickly crumple up the slip. I don't even don't ask for the know. slip anymore. I say, don't, don't I say, I'm know. saving trees. <laughs> don't give me that slip. Exactly. So the first thing I think is just getting comfortable, just understanding yourself and mm. looking at yourself. And only from that point can you then start making any changes where you, when you know where is your money actually going right now. And I'm sure we'll be shocked to know that most of our money goes down the drain. Mm -hmm. Spending it, you know, contactless payment is great, but <laughs> it, it, it takes your mind away from the process yeah. of signing for something. You're Absolutely. looking at a slip and signing for it. Yeah. You're tapping it. You forget about it. 20 rand, 50 yeah. rand, it adds up. And we've got stupid monkey brains. We're not computers. We're not good at like assessing long-term value of things. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're, you know, our brains evolved to forage for berries and pump other monkeys in the, <laughs> in the jungle. Like, you know. We just have better technology now. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah. So I think just, just understanding it. I think the upside of the fact that a lot of the money that we spend is quite mindless means that when you are now ready to actually start wrangling your spending, people are like, oh, I don't want to budget because I don't want to have to give up my lovely Avro toast or whatever. The good news is normally, actually, you don't have to give up your Avro toast if it's making you happy. Normally, the best places to start trimming the fat is really to trim the fat, the things that you are spending money on, which probably are adding is adding very little to your life, like downgrading your fancy car. That's one big action you can do that you can reap the benefits from for the rest of your life. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's, that costs you no pain. Yeah. I think when you're looking at the luxury stuff, you can get away with, I mean, we talk about food and those kind of things that we all love to enjoy. I mean, you just need to shop smarter too. I think as a consumer, mm. we need to change our behavior in the way we buy things because we need to buy stuff. Yeah. But we don't need to buy everything. Yeah. Don't need to buy the latest graphics card unless yeah. you're a pro gamer potentially. <laughs> you really don't need to buy the latest totally. CPU. You know, we, we should, I was joking about technology earlier, but tech lasts longer in many ways. I mean, mm. a MacBook, a MacBook has been notoriously is known for lasting longer than most other computers just totally. because it's a closed system, right? Yeah. You can use them for much longer than any other any other Those Windows Those Lenovo machines. ThinkPads that run like a truck for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are still around. Yeah, of yeah. course. But technology is it is a problem in mm -hmm. some ways, right? But we've got the tools now to help us. You said 22.7 is something we've done. I've used it before. I actually don't have it on my phone now. So I need to, this is homework for everybody to go and download <laughs> that. And then work on your Excel sheet to customize mm. your spending. Mm. Now, you, we were joking a little bit earlier about uh, your, your Excel sp spreadsheet and the amount of work that went into that. Can mm. you give us some insights behind like how this thing came to be? You obviously got resources <laughs> from a lot of other places. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess uh, I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> I spend a lot of my life in Google Sheets. Um, I, I find it just the most incredible tool. Um, I was We were also talking earlier about how, so now what I do is I run a fintech consultancy, which means a lot of what I try and do is I help very early stage startups get like create the first prototype of their of their product in the space That's and increasingly cool. what it's super fun and increasingly what we use as a prototyping tool for financial things 
things is Google Sheets. <laughs> like the amount of flexibility wow. that you have, <laughs> yeah. you know, the kind Tools of are powerful. It, it's free, right? Exactly. It's free. It's so open and so flexible. You can plug in most APIs. You can write these really complex scripts. So my spreadsheet is not that complicated compared to many of the others I've worked on. Um, I but guess it's easier to follow, in my opinion. I've, I've used a few of them and. The way that you lay it out as well with the color blocks and you, oh, cool. you follow the whole thing. Well done. It was Thank great. you. Thank you. I guess I just, I believe it's really important that um, most people get more comfortable looking at their money. And yeah. unfortunately, um, sometimes a little bit of extra homework helps you do that. So while apps and tools like 227, another big international one that's really popular is something called YNAB. Um, those are great because they take away a lot of your homework. But yeah. the sad thing is that you actually need to keep a little bit of homework in the system because you need to have that moment of reflection. So I find for myself sitting, I, I call it my big monthly money review. It's a date that I have with myself and my partner. Uh, just after payday, we sit down, we make a, you know, pour some wine, you make it very nice. And we sit there and we fill in our spreadsheets, you know. Um, That's and such a clever way of doing good. it because yeah. you, you're doing it with somebody else. It's, it's a shitty job. You exactly. don't want to do it, but you're kind yeah. of making a thing out of it. Yeah. But it's important. You have to manage mm. that. Exactly. Do you think we are far away from an, a place in time where AI will manage your money for you? So when I get to a shop and I want to buy this thing, my card is going to say, no, you said you want to save some cash. Yeah. I'm not going to let it happen. Do you think we're going to get to, I mean, AI is obviously going to be able to do it. Totally. So actually this was um, the the feature that I rolled out at 27. I was most popular, uh, most proud of. Do we need to pause so we can cut that? Okay. No, no, it's fine. Sorry, it's just a I have doggy a doggy outside jumping in the window, <laughs> waiting to be part of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. He's so excited about money management. <laughs> um, so, uh, the feature that I worked on in twenty to seven that I'm most proud of um, was sort of the most baby basic version of a, a money nudge system is what we called it. Um, and what it did is, uh, so what 20 to 7 does, if you don't know, is it lets you aggregate all of your accounts, investments, debts, whatever, from wherever. Um, it scrapes all of your data, stores it, uh, categorizes things automatically, um, and then shows you sort of, you know, Visually. does exactly. Yeah. 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 Nice. But uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to Try and automate the analysis step. So go a step further and to crunch some of the numbers. So we built a lot of um, these quite complex scripts where we would identify people uh, who were doing certain things, like they were way overspending on a certain category against their peers. They did. We could see that they didn't have any automated savings. We'd also look for stuff like people who are saving but also have high interest debt, which isn't really the most logical thing to be doing. Sure, sure. and things you want to get like rid of the debt first and then focus on Exactly, and we try to sort of show people these really small natural language hints and tips. Mm. Say, you know, did you think about that? Maybe if you did this, then blah, blah, blah. Um, it was super fun to work on, but what we realized is that um, actually I don't think it's the solution <laughs> because I think some of the analysis layer definitely, um, and we definitely dreamed of a world where, you know, the next logical step would be now tap to approve, you know, is changing everything, sure, setting up sure, the payments. Sure. The reality is that most of our financial behavior still comes down to day-to-day -day decisions that you are going to make uh, every day. Um, so I, I, I think there's a lot more of our money universe we should be trying to get to the point where we can automate. And I think it's the important stuff. I think we should be automating how investments work. I think we should be automating, you know, making those decisions of, I have this extra hundred rand, should this go to paying off a debt? And if so, which debt? Or should it go into savings? And if so, which saving? Mm. I think those things we should the increasingly automate. The decision-making stuff about, you know, the 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. Spending, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to fully automate those things because they come down to incredibly Mm. personal, incredibly emotional decisions. And and it's about people's priorities as well. Um, And it turns out humans are all quite different and they have different priorities. And it's quite different, difficult for an AI to make decisions on your behalf about what your priorities should be. What if they get clever enough? What if we have AI that's <laughs> oh, human? See, the, the concern, of course, is, is will it be a benign AI or will it be an AI run by Facebook who wants to influence you mm. to you know, buy certain Look, things? It'll have to be or... a personal AI that, that I guess, <laughs> learns your behavior from, from a very early age I yeah. guess that's, and, and learns what you... Look, this is a future, obviously, that we've all seen on Black Mirror and those kind of shows. Mm. But it's not, I guess it's not something that it's not impossible. Sure. There's yeah. probably going to be a service out there that you can sign up for that does it. But like you said, it's probably not going to be the best way of managing your money. Yeah. You still need to, you still want to own that. You still want to, otherwise, I mean, what's the point of, what's the point of trying to manage money if you, if, mm. if you, if you're just not thinking about it because you're still going to try and want to spend as much as what you can. Yeah. If you don't know, you don't have money. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, sort of speculating about the future of personal financial management is is a really interesting question but i think even more interesting for me is speculating about the way that the very structure of the economy is going to change and therefore what it will mean to sort of be an individual economic agent within that system you know like we've got huge pressures of change both in terms of you know just world global inequality just becoming unbearably you know getting to to the point where it seems like it can't continue Mm. in the way it has been Um, and simultaneously we've got these like huge experiments at decentralization and we've got you know all the blockchain experiments and we've got um, you know the the kind of also very problematic things like the rise of populism again Mm. um, and xenophobia so you know like (laughs) when I talk to young people about their you know saving for their retirement uh, more than one of them have said to me oh but by the time I retire we will be a socialist state (laughs) so it's like (laughs) so what's the point (laughs) Yeah, we can't be thinking like that, that's for sure. Now, one of the big things we've got coming up in South Africa on an economic basis is yeah. the increase in VAT. Yeah. How Should we be worried about that from a consumer point of view? I mean, what should we be keeping an eye out for? Or is mm-hmm. it just, again, a matter of just saving more because this is going to hit our bottom line? Absolutely. So um, I think VAT is a particularly visible change. Um, it's one that people are certainly going to feel specifically the poorest of the poor. Mm-hmm. They have zero rated uh, some essential food items. But if you look at what the items have been zero rated, some of those decisions are also quite weird and haven't been revisited for a long time. So it's definitely going to have an impact. I think the truth, though, is that... Um, Um, consumer inflation is a much broader thing. It's not always so visible as the VAT increase, Mm. but it's been happening for years. Um, Things don't generally come down once they go up. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, structurally, uh, South Africa's economy has been struggling for a number of years, um, you know, for a number of reasons, uh, some of them, you know, around the drought and kind of the knock-on effect on farmers and food prices, some of it, you know, political, the downgrade, all of these sort of things that we read about in the news, um, it can take a long time before we can really feel the impact in our in our pockets. Mm. Um, but all of these complexities do ultimately lead to the rise in prices. Um, and you know the VAT the VAT hike definitely is one very noticeable one. Um, but the the truth is that prices have been rising for a long time in in, a, in quite a, a sort of scary way. This is one of the reasons that I think you've more South Africans need to be careful about relying on their bank savings accounts. Um, A lot of people, when they start saving money, they just keep it in the bank. 
Um, and, you know, typically you can get an interest rate of around 4 to 5.5% sort of on the high end. Like if you really have a lot of money saved with the bank, it's F&B I think is the highest, it's 7.3 or 7.5. Oh, okay. That's a money market fund essentially that works like a savings account. But generally people are getting more around 4 to 5. And inflation over the last several years has been closer to 6, which means that every year you're getting poorer. It's like you're keeping your money under your mattress and your little uh, kleptomaniac tokoloshes are sort of, you know, stealing it every night no that's not good news actually i mean no. uh, yeah so what is the next step from there i mean work better with your money and find the next find something uh, to do with your money that's going to earn you better interest exactly invested that's really the solution um and invested and you know i talk in the book a lot about investing it's not that complicated it's not scary it's something you can start doing with 200 rand a month it's really not out of most people's um reach um, I also talk in the book about the the glory of the global ETF as a product. It's this one incredibly simple investment product. It's so diversified. It means that you're putting your money into Kigali and into Tesla and into you know places all around the world, big companies all around the world. Um, and you're really helping, you're participating in the global economy, not just the local economy. That's interesting. And it's so easy to invest in. It's a simple thing you can open online in five minutes. I was just going to say, is it an online service? That sounds like something <laughs> I can sign up for. Put your credit card details in and subscribe for 12 months or something. No, exactly. So there's actually, uh, one of the exciting things about uh, the sort of fintech space in South Africa at the moment is it's it's just Zooming. Like there are new projects popping up all the time. In the investment space, um, at the moment, I've been so excited by the work that Easy Equities is doing, Core Shares is another one these are both services they're websites you can log in they have apps as well uh you fico with them which you can just do on your phone um and then there you go you have the the world's uh stock markets at your at your finger at, at your fingertips literally we're almost getting to the point where it's as easy to invest 300 bucks in buying tesla shares as it is to invest 300 rands buying a tesla branded shirt i don't know what could you buy with 300 bucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah very you know, tesla branded shirt is probably going to cost you like a grand yeah exactly <laughs> a lot of licensing and import duties on that there's this fun website called uh if i no it's called invested instead and it takes uh, various gadgets that you could have bought over the last 20 years. So it's like if instead of buying the original iPod, you'd bought Apple shares worth the same amount as the original oh, no, iPod. That is, <laughs> that's going to be the worst website you can visit. Yeah, what? exactly. You like Intel realize. stocks 10 years ago or whatever, NVIDIA shares, yeah, hmm. instead of that new graphics card. Buying stocks in these, yeah, exactly. Buying stocks in these tech companies always seems so exciting. Mm. I mean, you were talking about this online service you can do, but is there is there a way to easily do it? And should you try and buy stocks directly? Even um, if it's just for fun. I'm not talking about serious, <laughs> big investments. I yeah. think it is worthwhile for anyone who can afford to, to park a small amount of their whole portfolio for fun investments, for investments that are things in things that you really care about, things that you kind of know a little bit about and are in individual shares. Now, I don't think that that's actually the best way for most people to invest most of their money sure, at sure. all, because I think that most people are terrible at picking stocks and shouldn't even try, which is why I'm a big proponent of passive investing. Uh, and so is Warren Buffett, by the way, and he's much smarter than I am. So and you should just listen to him and much richer. Don't listen to me, listen to Warren Buffett. So I think generally people should have like 90% of their portfolio in a passive investment, which is low fees um, and just really tracks market returns. But I do think that you should have some play money with investing. And I think that's what keeps you engaged and keeps you emotionally excited about it. Um, and with that, totally go buy some NVIDIA shares. Again, you can do this on easy equities. Um, if you do have a foreign bank account, there are a number of really cool apps 
uh, that lets you do this. Like Get Stocks is a great one, but you have to have a US bank account, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, definitely go buy some of, like instead of buying the gadget, go buy some of the shares in the company that makes the gadget. It's a great way to just like make yourself feel like investing is exciting. And part of it, and you can kind of track and it, it is yeah. fun. I've played around with it a little bit. I'm not an expert uh, yeah. at all. No, so, go buy some of that Bitcoin. It's fine. Just but just don't put, do not put all your money in Bitcoin. No, Bitcoin is <laughs> way too expensive. And we promise we won't be talking about Bitcoin because that's a deep, Thank dark you. It's a rabbit hole. Yeah, I, my brain gets confused after 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I don't really like that. Yeah. So technology, you've been a long-time geek. Mm -hmm. What kind of tech have you seen around that's really interested you? Ooh. Stuff that you would be spending your oh, money man. on. Oh, man. I have a real soft spot for uh, some of the new drones that are coming out. I, I, I don't own a drone. Um, I, I don't think I ever will. But they're just, they're just quite fun. Um, I saw one. I'm trying to remember what it's called. I went to the launch a couple of weeks ago. Mavic Air. Yes, the Mavic Air, exactly. And it does this boomerang thing where yes. it like shoots off into the air and then comes back. And it, you, what I love the most about it is it follows your hand. So you can put your hand out and then it like locks in and it feels like taming a dragon. Like, you know, you like yeah, yeah. make a soul bond with the, <laughs> with the drone and then you like lift it into the air. So that was super fun. Um, I, it's not a gadget, but I've also been I, a lifelong obsessive about Civ, uh, Sid Meier's civilization. Oh, yeah. And I have, because I was trying to finish a book and, like you know launch a business over the last year i did, was not allowing myself to buy civ 6 uh and a week ago i finally caved and i installed it and my life is gone now oh, <laughs> i have no, no life i had Maybe. a life i don't have a life anymore <laughs> gaming is terrible like that it sucks you in but at least you've done the work you've kind of deserve no you know, some downtime <laughs> no don't you think so <laughs> i mean i do think like you know those uh simulation games increasingly are just so amazing like some of the work projects that i've been doing over the last year have involved um financing uh, for backyard uh, buildings. Uh, so a lot of South Africans live in these backyard shacks mm -hmm. and struggle to access uh, loans and mortgages to sort of build them into into real bricks and mortar houses. And we've been looking at some really cool blockchain backed, oh, I really don't want to talk about the blockchain, <laughs> uh, initiatives to sort of make that, accessing that capital easier. Um, and what's been really cool is I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing housing NGOs and city planners around Cape Town who are just doing such amazing work and increasingly seeing how they're engaging people through making games with them as a form of research to understand the nuances of how uh, how they need to block the townships, for example. So blocking in the, in the urban planning yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. you know, um, like just the way that gaming is so much more than gaming. It's it's like a way to get information, yeah, test yeah. ideas. Oh, oh, gaming, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, there's, a lot, <laughs> there's so much that we can do. And imagine the future once once we kind of figure ourselves out as well. I mean, we're yeah. building the tools now to figure ourselves out. Imagine we get to a point where we understand a bit more about the human race. Absolutely. It's a scary time. I mean, I think in general, like the, the thing that I love when we're talking about money or when we're talking about tech or anything is understanding our own little tiny human brains and their and its limitations, right? Um, and understanding that, you know, like God, we make the world in our image, like tiny little terrible gods. Um, so tech is never neutral. Like the tech we make, it reflects ourselves and re reflects our ideas about humanity and civilization. Um, and I think there've been really interesting experiments around like, you know, neurotrophics and like hacking our own brains. Um, and I think we're like, we're just at the start of that and it's terrifying and very exciting. It's very exciting. Would you yeah. given the opportunity, and I know the answer because I've answered this for myself, but would you <laughs> do a bionic implant that improves 
some cognitive ability, oh, visual sure. ability, overlays. Absolutely, definitely. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, Lauren, so Lauren Bjorkis, <laughs> who is my favorite writer in the world, uh, launched a collection of short stories recently called yeah. Slipping. Everyone should read it. She has this great story in there, um, sort of riffing on Casta Semenya, but also sort of riffing on like um, the uh, paraplegic Olympics. Um, and it, it basically imagines a, a future in which there's a version of the Olympic Games where all body modification is allowed. Um, nice. And kind of like how crazy and weird that might be and fascinating. That sounds incredible. I must get that book. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> So on that fantastic note, uh, thank you so much for your time, Sam. I really appreciate it. You've made me a wiser person in dealing with my money. <laughs> Thanks for And having. I'll certainly be uh, having a different conversation with my actual financial advisor about Good. what my money should be doing because Good. I now have a better understanding. Totally. Um, best of luck with the book. If anybody, uh, anybody that listens, definitely go and get the book. You can get online at likeafgrownup.com, right? That's it, yeah. Um, or at most bookstores. And yeah. I believe you are quite high up in the ranks these days yeah i think uh two weeks ago we were fourth which was very exciting jacques nice. is still kicking my ass but you know it's fine yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just I'll a different him. genre okay <laughs> yeah. so if everybody go buy us one of these books please we will get you to that top spot <laughs> thank you so much for your time sam i really appreciate it and uh, where can we find you online uh so at beck Bessinger on, on twitter, twitter. It, it's a game to see if you can figure out how to spell my surname <laughs> yeah that is a game otherwise you can buy the book and the surname is on the front otherwise uh, we have a really active facebook group called the league of grown-ups uh, which you can find and it's a place where you can ask uh, other very clever people interesting questions about your money um so you cool. don't have to rely on your financial advisor and you don't have to rely on the deep deep dark bowels of reddit it's a it's a better place it's very friendly come and ask financial questions there that is awesome i did not know that existed i will be there thank you very much cool thank you so much for tuning in this is the best in tech we will see you again next week from rechard and sam ciao ciao